Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, what's often interesting and baffling about the human brain is our capacity to forget and to remember. Is there a process by which our brains are choosing what's important and what's not? Psychologist and neuroscientist Sabina Brennan joins us now. Sabina, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. How are you? Is the brain a bit like a computer in that, you know, we can get full? Um. Yeah, I mean, the computer analogy kind of works to some extent. It's not really like a computer, but it kind of helps explain things in some way. Same as a muscle analogy works as well, but it's not exactly like a computer. But um, yeah, yeah, it does sort of get full. So it's kind of a good way to explain it. We have to use what we understand to help explain um, an organ that we don't yet fully understand. Um, but um, it does seem that the brain needs to forget um, um, and forgetting, we tend when we talk about forgetting things and being forgetful, we tend to talk about it in a, a negative sense as it being a negative thing. But, you know, um, uh, gosh, if we couldn't forget, um, I think we'd be in an, uh, in an awful state altogether. Mm. Um, and actually, you know, the brain processes hundreds of thousands of bits of information every day. If you think about what we're bombarded with through every single one of our senses, just as you walk down the street, or if you walk down, you know, Grafton Street, uh, you know, on your way up to, to, to news talk, like the amount of information that's, uh, you're being, your brain is being assaulted with. Um, it has to forget a lot of that because if it was to kind of try and take it all in and remember it, um, your brain would be inundated with information to process. Um, um, so, um, your brain has to sort of make decisions, uh, about, uh, you know, forgetting the unimportant, the irrelevant stuff, um, so that we're not living in the state of overwhelmed chaos. Um, and really our brain needs to tag or to identify the information that has salience, relevance, or meaning for us and, um, override what some scientists believe is, um, you know, our default state, you know, the forgetting mechanism and begin in um, what we call the memory making process. Mm. Um, and, and I'm really sort of from a, a survival perspective. And at the end of the day, the primary function of our brain is to keep us alive. And so from a survival perspective, culling information um, is as necessary a function um, of cognition as collecting information is. Yeah. Now, now, when does that process, does that process take place every day? Is it taking place on an ongoing basis? And is the definition of what's important and what's not important, does, that can change over time. Oh, all, all, all the time. Dynamic interaction um, with the world. Um, your brain is in, uh, you know, ongoing, um, uh, you know, engagement with the world. And your brain is a dynamic organ that is constantly changing um, and constantly interacting with the world. And it's your behavior, your experiences and the life choices that you make that shape your your brain. And, and your brain, um, it's an incredible organ. And through the process of neuroplasticity, it can respond and change and adapt to the world. Um, and in fact, neuroplasticity is just a really fancy name 
to um, explain that your your brain changes with learning and so it grows new connections or you know changes connections in your brain um, in response to the um, environment um, and so it really is constantly changing and adapting and that's how we evolved as a species but it's also how we evolve as individuals and how we are resilient as individuals and we've all just lived through a period of time the pandemic that showed how adaptive we are as individuals you know we we've experienced huge changes and, and and over short periods of time we adapted to huge lifestyle um changes you know because we we have this capacity uh to learn and to forget how we used to do things and learn how to do things in in a new way and interestingly you know from an evolutionary perspective again the purpose of memory, we tend to talk about memory and having lovely memories and what would life be like without memories. And it's wonderful to be able to remember your first kiss or your first day at school or, you know, all those lovely memories. But again, from an evolutionary perspective, the purpose of memory is to help us to survive. It's so that your brain can make decisions and make predicted predictions about the world and the environment and interpersonal encounters. You know, your brain is constantly um, making assessments and judges judgments and best guesses about what you should do next in any situation. And that depends on the information that it is taking in and keeping as memories and also the information that it is forgetting. And so it needs you in a way to help um, bring a clarity as to what information is relevant, salient and important. And, and that's why, you know, often, um, you know, some people are very clear about their goals in life and their aim and their purpose. And it, sometimes it looks like, you know, um, people manifest these amazing lives and things just seem to fall into place for them. But often it's that they have very you know, they really are very clear about what they want and their brain has a very clear message. And so their brain actually attends to the information that is relevant to their goal. And so they're attending only to that relevant information and ignoring or forgetting um, the other information. So, and we when have you say forgetting, Sabina, that. is that gone for good? Is it erased completely? Well, so, so that that's kind of attending to. So, so I mean, there's kind of language is important there. So, really, what we're talking about at that point is the information that you attend to. So, you're not letting it come in for the for the for the memory making process. So, I would say really that attention is the first step in the memory making process. And if we then talk about like when how we forget stuff on a day to day basis. So I've been talking about that sort of bigger picture of why it's important that we forget information. Excuse me, because uh, we can't maintain, you know, we, we, we can't, you know, uh, make memories from every piece of information that comes into us. But then when we do take information in or we think we've taken information in and we can't recall it, we call that forgetting. Um, and often our day-to-day -day forgetfulness um, is actually a failure of attention. Because if you think of attention as the first step in uh, the memory-making process, a lot of what we call failures of memory are actually failures of attention. So if you frequently forget where you left your keys or can't find your glasses, mm. it's not because you've forgotten where you've left them. It's actually because you failed to attend 
to where you put your keys or failed to take a note of where you put your glasses. Usually because when you come into the house in the evening time, you're busy having a conversation or you're taking your shoes off or your coat off or you're on the phone or something like that and you just throw them down willy-nilly. So you're not paying attention to them. So you actually can't start off that memory-making process. But there's other factors that really contribute to the memory-making process that will influence whether you can recall memory at a later stage. And one of those key components is sleep. Because when you take information in during the day, when you actually have attended to information or, or, or your brain has recognized that information is important and should be taken in, it, it, it's taken into a part of your brain called the hippocampus, which is a relatively small part of the brain and it does have a limited capacity. And that's why sort of at the end of the day, you'll often feel, oh my God, my brain is full. I can't take any more information in. I need to go sleep. I'm tired. And when you go to sleep at night, we see electrical activity in your brain between that hippocampus and your frontal lobes in your brain, um, which are often referred to as uh, the executive part of your brain and a decision-making part of your brain. And scientists think that that uh, part of your brain, then that activity between those two parts of the brain is like a filtering system that's making decisions between what information should continue through the memory-making process and what information should be discarded. And then a little bit later in the nighttime, when you're still in mainly non-REM, sleep, we see a much more diffuse electrical activity across the brain that is that information that has been decided to be kept um, being embedded across various areas of your brain. And that's the start of the memory making process. That is the start of that information being um, consolidated as a memory. And then later in the night, in the early morning, when you have mainly REM dream sleep, um, that new information, those newly formed memories are then integrated with your past memories, with your past existing knowledge and experience. And that's often why you have dreams where you have something from today randomly mixed with something from your childhood or mm -hmm. your past. And that's also where insight and ideas and problem solvings come from. You wake up the next morning and you'll have a, a, an idea and that's come from new information being linked in um, with past experience. And that's why um, you will forget things um, or not be able to take in new information if you have poor, um, insufficient or disrupted sleep. Uh, so sleep is I, critical got, for yeah, memory. And well, you know that situation, sometimes people can drink, um, uh, one drinks so much you have a blackout. Yes. Uh, and the whole swathe of the night has disappeared. Or even has, bits of it. Yeah. Has, <laughs> has, that, uh, has that process then been somehow interrupted by the alcohol? Yeah, it seems to have. Alcohol seems to have a, quite a dramatic impact on memory. <clears throat> And it seems to disrupt that process. Now, we also know, I mean, and we don't know fully how it happens, but obviously we do also know that when you, when you drink alcohol, you don't have the, that natural sleep process, um, that you have if you don't have alcohol. In fact, alcohol and sleeping pills produce the same sort of sleep. It's, it, it's not a natural sleep. You don't go through the same cycles. So that could be one reason why the sleep, um, is disrupted, but it disrupts the ability to form new long-term memories. Um, now, it doesn't seem to disrupt any previous long-term memories you have, just the formation of new information. Um, 
So if you just have a small amount of alcohol, you might have subtle um, changes, but as the amount of alcohol you consume increases, so does um, the magnitude of impairment that you'll experience. And also the speed at which you consume the alcohol seems to have um, an impact and, and um, is more likely to um, induce a, a blackout. Um, so you might have, um, you know, a, a whole period where, where, where you're just missing everything or, or you might have spotty memories or you might have that, God, God, now it's gone back a long time now. I have to say going back to my youth, but you know, I used to hate that horrible. Oh God, you'd get that cold chill up your back where you were drip fed memories. <laughs> so, somebody, somebody would say something and then you'd go, Oh no. Oh, that's no, what I did. No. Sabina, oh, God, I'm, 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 I'm so sorry. It sounds like I'm re-traumatizing you now. And uh, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, we have run out of time, though. Thanks a million, uh, as ever, uh, Sabina Brennan there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.